Monster RX 93.1 presents Heard on Thursdays. Hot conversations on hot topics. Your host, JC Tevez. Hey, JC Tevez here with more of your favorite hot conversations here on HOT. Heard on Thursdays, the show that made FM Radio Talk, Philippine FM Radio Talk, only on Manila's hottest, Monster RX 93.1. So do you enjoy fantasy and sci-fi books and movies? Of course you do. Who doesn't? Then again, aren't we living in a dystopian scenario right now? In a way, right? Is it sci-fi or are we in a horror movie? Well, what are we living through? Well, perhaps we can gain some insights from our guest this evening. She is an acclaimed fantasy and science fiction author. This year, she's nominated for the International Hugo Award in the Best Related Work category along with her teammates. They are putting up an inclusive fringe event at FIACON 2021 this September. FIACON is an international literary convention honoring contributions of BIPOC writers. BIPOC for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. They're, the stories that our guest writes have a Filipino twist to them. They revolve around mythology, history, the environment, relationships, and emotional journeys. Her short fiction appears in various anthologies, including Strange Horizons, Podcastle, and Expanded Horizons. In 2019, she published her first fantasy short story collection, Beyond the Line of Trees. She has won or been nominated for various awards here as well as abroad. She has been a journalist, an editor, curriculum designer, technical writer, and podcast coordinator. Cool. Heard on Thursdays, we welcome Hugo Awards nominee, fantasy and science fiction author, Vida Cruz, joining us tonight. Hi, Vida. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little embarrassed by that stunning intro. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have to thank Rafi, our head writer, for doing that. Uh, But uh, I think we've already kind of hyped you up so now we want to know everything about you hi vita thank you for taking the time to join us this evening and welcome to the show no uh first and foremost uh, before we talk about uh you know your your work and and what you do and your and everything that you've been nominated for i always like to start off the show something simple what's keeping you busy besides writing and besides uh your work are you watching anything cool are you watching any new movies well i mean um my family and I streamed Lucifer oh. for the um, between October and November last year, and we're waiting for season five B okay. coming this May. And um, apart from that, I help take care of ten dogs. Um, I also read tarot for different clients, and I'm planning my wedding currently. Really, congratulations on your upcoming wedding! Thanks. Must be uh, must be a, a strange time to be planning a wedding, though. I mean, in terms of like, <laughs> I see you shake your head. <laughs> oh my God, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, so you are an acclaimed fantasy and science fiction author, but did you ever, in your wildest dreams, uh, you know, imagine this dystopian society that we're kind of living through right now? Did you ever think that we would go through something like this? All right, I have a multi-layer answer to that honestly we were already living in a dystopia before the pandemic and COVID-19 just brought it home for many people okay and um so one of my hobbies is reading up on local and world history and I read enough of the black plague in Europe and I and 
from what I know, I used to try and not think about what might happen if a pandemic ever hit the modern world. Mm -hmm. And here we are. I will never try to imagine that again. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's... Well, in a way, do you think you can find some sort of... Because you said that even prior to COVID-19, you were already kind of saying that we lived... We were kind of in a dystopian society. It kind of just brought it home for people. Uh, In a way, and I don't know, I don't don't mean to make it sound like a a good thing, but is there some sort of inspiration that you can draw from this as a writer? I mean, there's plenty, but if we're talking about the pandemic itself Mm. i'm actually a lot of writers are already writing about it and there there have been i have clients in my day job for example Mm. who are writing books about their pandemic experience but as for me as a writer i'm the kind of person who um it takes me a long time to process big events like this Mm -hmm. for example it took me six years to write anything about typhoon yolanda and I'm pretty sure it will take some time before the pandemic features in my work. Mm-hmm. Okay, understood. Makes us uh, makes sense. I think uh, everybody has their own kind of creative way, or or at least uh, their timeline when it comes to creating their own work. And yours, you say that uh, for you, it takes it takes a while to process uh, something like this pandemic. Uh, but let, let me ask you, uh, Vita. Let's talk about you as a writer. Uh, because a lot of our monsters, uh, I'm sure some of them have already read your work or have heard of you. But for those of you who are just, uh, for those of our listeners rather, who are just learning of Vita Cruz and, and like, oh man, that's a, first of all, that's a cool name. I want to read read her work. <laughs> but let's talk about you as, a, as an author. Let, the origin right. story. Let's talk about your origin story. What is your origin story? Okay. Um, how do you put this? I started writing when I was eight. Um, I had a godmother who encouraged me to read books. She started me off with Harry Potter. And then she noticed that I was reading Chamber of Secrets for the third time. <laughs> then she gave me a new set of books to read. And I haven't really stopped reading since. Mm. And I think if you read that much, you want to try and write things for yourself. So I was the kind of student who always joined the school paper. And I, if I finished my exams early, I would flip over the paper to the back and I'd write a story in the back. Pretty sure that amused my teachers. <laughs> and so mm. as a, uh, well, uh, you are a sci-fi and fantasy author. Is it? I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to just venture guess. Is it because you started with Harry Potter? Probably. Probably. Yes. But also, um, how do I put this? It's, it's my playground, you know, mm. sci-fi and fantasy. And culturally, I think, this is my theory anyway, I think Filipinos are more predisposed toward fantasy. Because mm. we... We'll, even in pre-colonial times, we lived alongside the fantastic. We'd have Babylon telling stories. We'd have superstitions about um, Chana, Capre, all that. And then even in uh, even in modern times, living in the cities, we're all Christianized. We still have all of these superstitions. And I'm pretty sure 
a bunch of us grew up with Ayaya telling us, you need to be good and go to sleep or else the manananggal will eat you, <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and as we did mention in our introduction earlier, uh, you do like to add a Filipino twist to your story. So we'd love to get to know, uh, I, I, you, first of all, uh, your how you delve into it. Because we've had authors on the show who are actually, and now that you say it, uh, you're right. Almost every like sci- almost every author I've inter- interviewed in the last year, we've talked about sci-fi, we've talked about mythology. So in a way, uh, I, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, but first of all, we got to ask, what's the best Harry Potter book? In your opinion, hmm. I know it's hard to choose, but do you have a favorite? It is hard to choose. I guess it depends on what you're looking for, but for me, the best one is probably Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, I think I was. I would think I was gonna say. I think I would, that would be my my second favorite. <laughs> oh, what's your first favorite? Honestly, I was a big fan of or uh, of uh, the Half Blood Prince because of mm. uh, I really I thought it was like such a shocking. Just it was so <laughs> shocking, you know the whole Dumbledore and, thing. Nice. Yeah. Actually, no, the, you make a good case for that because like book five was sorry if me. you're a fan of book five. Me. But book five for me was a mess. Yeah. <laughs> so books are returned to form. Yeah, I think so. You can see why you would like book six. Right, right. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's let's talk about your uh, your writing idols then uh, before we move on to you know Filipino mythology. Do you have a All favorite? Right. I mean, is J.K. Rowling uh, still up there for you? Any thoughts on mm. the recent J.K. Rowling issues? <laughs> well, honestly, because um, of the stuff that she posts on Twitter, mm. she's kind of way down there now. Yeah. And to be honest, when I do solo presentations at conventions mm-hmm. talking about craft, I end up using her some of her work as an example of what not to do. Okay. Harry Potter's still special to me though. Mm. But like, you know, your faves are problematic and stuff like right. that. Um I guess in terms of favorites, Terry Pratchett is up there. Coincidentally oh. it was his birthday yesterday. Um I also like Susanna Clark. If you're familiar with Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, mm, and let's see, locally I like the work of Nick Joaquin and Hilda Cordero Fernando. I also really like the work of Dean Alfar and Nikki Alfar. Yeah, I used to read a lot of the the Discworld books, so I'm a big Terry Pratchett fan as well. So I think that's really cool, yeah. and uh, I agree. I, that's a great that's a great list of, of authors that you you listed there. Uh, so uh, let let's talk about maybe how you've taken from let's say Terry Pratchett and all the the rest of your influences, and have spun it into your own kind of um, your own your own writing. Because I, for me, I, I've never been a great writer. I've never been somebody. Or someone, let's say, in any sort of craft. When you're an actor, you can learn from the best actors. But usually people, let's say Anthony Hopkins, he just won uh, best, best Actor. So even if you act like Anthony Hopkins, you'll never be Anthony Hopkins. Even if you write like Terry Pratchett, you'll never be like Terry Pratchett. So how did you make uh, yourself, you know, how do you make it so that no one can write like Vita Cruz? Like, how do you make yourself stand out, but also uh, draw inspiration from, from your favorite authors? Okay, well, everybody starts out copying from their faves, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the same for writers. You start out by copying your faves. But if you keep writing long enough, a little bit of your life and your personality is going to seep into your writing. Mm. And that's what creates your voice as a writer. And 
that's also how you become unique and you stand out from everyone else. Which is just the long way of me saying you have to keep at it long enough to be able to um, figure out who you are in craft. Right. So in a way, you're you, until you learn how to inject more of yourself into your work, uh, you just got to yeah. keep working at it? Mm-hmm. I think that's like, great. Um, what I've noticed is that the best writers, the ones who your, whose books you remember, they put a lot of their life experiences but mm. transformed into their own work. Got it. Got it. How does that uh, now? Now that we can, uh, now that you mentioned that, and we mentioned earlier about Philippine mythology and our interest in that, is there uh, some sort of backstory behind that and your love for Philippine mythology or your, your, I guess, your affinity for it? Okay, um, I think a lot of people writing in the audience will relate to this. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have grown up writing about people with blonde hair, blue eyes in adventures in ha- having adventures in schools that don't sound anything like schools you went to mm. when you were growing up. I was one of those people and then I went I attended in 2014 a science fiction and fantasy writing workshop. It's called Clarion. There's two of them. I attended the one in San Diego. San Diego. And I'm from there. <laughs> <laughs> Well then, so um, there's 18 of us in a class. My, ha- more than half my classmates are white Americans, and the rest of us are scattered all over the world. Mm. And I, I was away from home for six weeks, and I suddenly found that I couldn't stop writing about Philippines mm. and Filipinos. I think number one, I really missed home, and that was the longest I'd ever been away from home before. And number two, you kind of, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's about, maybe it's when you're in a new place or and maybe it's just the particular atmosphere I was in, but I couldn't stop um, being, what do you call that? I couldn't stop noticing how different I was from everyone else. Kind of like a fish out of water uh, Kinda, yeah. experience. So, so like people would assume that I was born and raised in the U.S. because I talk like this. Mm. But um, I can't get the coins straight. I have no idea how certain things work, <laughs> and I need help. And, and nobody at that time, nobody was outright aggressive toward me. But I just kept noticing how different I was uh-huh. and I think I just wanted to write toward what I knew got it yeah I mean uh, so is that something that you said earlier that uh, a writer once they have written long enough to inject themselves into their work is that is that something that you want our reader the readers of your stories to experience something that that feeling of uh, well maybe Uncertainty when it comes to identity is that something that you 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 address in your writing as well? Hmm, not quite. And maybe it's because I live here in Manila, mm-hmm. and um, identity isn't that big of an issue here mm-hmm. in the Philippines as it is in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I, at, at least I think this is how it comes across. Mm-hmm. I'm not really grappling with identity issues 
in that sense mm-hmm. in my work. Okay. I mean, I do grapple with um, what the Philippines is after being colonized thrice. Right. That's its own different identity issue. But I'm not grappling with um, the kind of identity issues that Americans deal with today. Mm. So when when a person reads your stories, what, what do you want them to experience? Uh, as an author, I'm sure you have... Uh, a particular way you want to make them feel or, or make them think when, when they read your, your bodies of work? What, what exactly do you want your readers to experience when, um, you, when they read? It depends on the story. Sometimes mm-hmm. I want them to laugh or be scared or feel kilig. Always I want them to feel entertained. And um, sometimes I will sneak in overtly or not. A kind of commentary on social issues mm. and so like while you're being entertained I'm kind of prompting you to reflect on certain things mm. signs of a great writer I feel like that, that's something that uh, you know it, it, it's it's more than uh, face value or, or it, it's 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 more than skin deep or what I forgot the, the term what they say <laughs> but anyway Vita um for for listeners who are not familiar with your stories, can you give us a little bit of a like a little blurb about your 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 bodies of work or what what you have found the most uh, the readers that have maybe reached out to you and said, "Hey, I love this piece of work." What are the what are your your most successful pieces of work and what are they about? All right, so my keywords for my body of work, some of it. Mm. are fantasy, pre-colonial Philippines, Philippine mythology. If you could probably map a local fantasaria to the kind of work I do, I'd put forward Amaya and Bagani. Um, but that's not, uh, that's not the only kind of work I do. I also do a series of short stories in contemporary Manila, except we live next to mythological creatures. And I write that in newspaper format. Whoa. Um, and from time to time, I also retell fairy tales. I Filipinize them. I think one of my most successful short stories is a Beauty and the Beast retelling that I set in Spanish colonial Philippines. The beast is a capre. Oh, Interesting. Capre, are, are the do, you, do they have similar names, or did you completely go a uh, different route when it comes to that? Oh, I, I definitely went in a different direction there because um, what I like to do with um, mythology when I'm writing is I do some research first on the creatures, mm. and in my research on the capre, I found that it's possible that the capre's origin was. Um, in the black slaves that the Spanish brought over to help build the university and intramuros. And then when a slave would run away, the Spaniards would tell the locals that there is a big hairy monster in the tree Mm. who likes to smoke and you should not help that creature or they're going to hurt you. Okay. And so um, we actually have that kind of history, but we don't talk about it too much. Mm. And I found that to be an interesting thread to follow in this retelling that I did. 
And do you feel like, uh, well, the, uh, when it comes to these mythical creatures, as you, you personally, do you believe this is real? <laughs> they're real? Mm. Or do you so, feel like you um, have to believe they're real for you to, to be convincing in your in your work? Okay, so there is a cultural anthropological kind of an- answer uh-huh. behind each of the mythological creatures. But I've also experienced enough of the supernatural to be unable to deny that they exist. Wow. Spirits definitely exist. They probably just don't exist in the way they're depicted in media. Mm, okay. It's something maybe uh, that you can't really put on screen or put on put in words. No, okay. I wouldn't say so. All right. Well, th- that brings us to your nomination in the best related work category at the 2021 Hugo Awards. First of all, congratulations. That's huge. That's incredible. Thanks. Uh, it's a nomination that you share with your teammates, uh, LD Lewis, Brent Lambert, and I, I hope I'm saying this name right, Iori Cusano. Iori Cusano. Iori Cusano. Uh, for your work in putting up uh, their inclusive fringe event at FireCon 2020. So let's talk about that. Uh, let's talk about uh, first of all, for those of the people who are unfamiliar, can you tell us about the Hugo Awards? How is this like the Academy Awards for literature? It actually is. It is, um, right? but it's uh, it is, but for science fiction and fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the 78th or 79th year that they're already holding this award. Mm-hmm. Um it's the Hugo Awards are usually hosted by Worldcon, which is the biggest convention in science fiction and fantasy. Mm. So, what is the uh, what is the body of work that you put up uh, with your teammates at FireCon twenty twenty? What is FireCon twenty twenty? All right. Um, so, FireCon. I'm gonna go a little bit into um, please, please controversy do. and recent history here. Right. But in the 2020 Hugo Awards ceremony, the host was George R. R. Martin, and um, he had several months to prepare um, the pre-recorded video for the ceremony. So okay. he would be announcing the nominees, and you know the usual stick for hosts. Yes. And during this ceremony, he mispronounced everyone's names not just BIPOC but white people too okay and he kept talking about um, old white male authors like Robert Silverberg and Isaac Asimov and it's it's supposed to be a ceremony that celebrates the current winners but he kept bringing it back to the good old days of golden age science in the 1950s and so a lot of people were really mad about that and there were several reactions to it to what happened mm. and the funny thing is many of those reactions ended up on the best related work category of 2021 mm-hmm. one of which is Fiacon 2020 mm. because the magazine behind Fiacon they're called Violet Mag they are a magazine specifically for um, the, the works of black writers Mm. they were up for a nomination they were up for an award and they were one of the names that were mispronounced so Elle who is our director she was like okay that's it we're (laughs) going to make our own con and it's gonna be awesome and no one is going to mispronounce our names (laughs) they even put the pronunciation of Faya 
on a t-shirt that you can buy okay. <laughs> as part of the swag. Nice. And um, yeah, so Elke, Elke came up with Fiacon and she said it would be BIPOC-centered. So all of us in this little group, we heard about it and we were super excited. And here comes Iori. I'd never spoken to her before, but she was like, you know, I'm pretty sure these panels are going to be in U.S. time zones. And I'm really tired of having to stay up until 2 or 3 a.m. to hear something interesting. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can propose a set of panels that are Asia-friendly mm -hmm. and in terms of time zone mm -hmm. to Firecon. And there were... Uh, me and two other people volunteered to help her, but then in the end, I was the only one left because the other two had to step down due to other commitments. Okay. And uh, I proposed the idea to L via their form and then she welcomed us aboard actually mm -hmm. and then she uh, which <laughs> she welcomed us aboard and said how do you want to go about this and then Iori and I were like oh my god I didn't think that we would have to run the con ourselves <laughs> and so and we were oh my god can we do this because neither of us had ever run a con before mm -hmm. but then we also thought if we don't do this nobody else is going to and we're probably in the best position to do this because we are from Asia. Mm -hmm. ER is based in Japan. So she came up with a very big spreadsheet with 12 time zones on it. And I sourced the people. We also came up with panels that we would have wanted uh, BIPOC to be on if we didn't keep getting relegated to Diversity 101 panels. Right. Yeah. Oh. So, and then we went after people would confirm with me, Iori would slot them according to their time zone and their topic preference, and it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. Our panels don't have, I mean, we, for example, we can't get a good mix of LGBT writers and um, neurodiverse writers, but it's mostly because of the time zone problem. I see. Still, I see. it was pretty successful. It was way more successful than we ever thought it would be. Yeah. We're so glad to do it again this year. Do you have uh, Do you have statistics or number like how many people uh, were able to attend and 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 view the panels that you set up? Um, Elle said she had to cap attendance at one thousand five hundred people, or their website would crash again. Wow! Incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. Congratulations! And for all the monsters listening right now, just to. To reiterate, BIPOC stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. And you know, I really like the fact that you you uh, you brought up the point that uh, you these people that you invited to join you as panelists weren't just relegated to diversity 101. You know, this uh, you know Asian authors in in a world full of uh, white authors, as you uh, in a yeah. way. I think that was really cool. Uh, so you're you're gonna do it again this year, uh, and and now that you've kind of expected the the uh, amount of interest that you since you had a uh, a great overwhelming amount of interest last year, what are the things that you're gonna do bigger and I guess better this year? Okay, so um, last year we only had one day, and it was twelve hours straight of programming. Wow, twelve hours. Yes, that was correct. I was there for nearly every panel. I do not recommend anyone do that because Zoom fatigue is real. Mm -hmm. um, this year, we're going to have two days of panels and hopefully a bigger pool of tech volunteers. By the way, if anyone is pretty good at running tech in this pandemic, 
we are probably looking for volunteers. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Got it. Um, we're Iori and I also want to ha- to widen our pool of guests. We, she wants to invite more experts like architects, neuroscientists, and people who are experts in writing adjacent topics that writers bother other experts about mm. when we're doing research. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there already a set date for these uh, for for Fiacon twenty twenty one? Yeah. September 16 to 19 and then oh yes our fringe event we just renamed it to Bonfire, Bonfire. and we're set for yeah so and we're set for September 18 to 19 awesome well I'm sure we will remind our monsters later on once again when they can how they can uh, participate in that and hopefully uh, you can cap it at more than 1,500 people this time and so that yeah. uh, the people who are listening they're like oh man I gotta get into that uh, let's go back to the, the point about uh, diversity uh, you know how, how sometimes not just in in, in um in literature or, or writing, but even in, in other forms of media, acting. As, as we know we've had a, a lot of big news now because Stephen Yun being nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars, and the always every headline, every headline was, you know, Stephen Yun first uh, actor to be Asian actor, I mean Asian American to be nominated for this, blah 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 blah. And uh, as a writer, is that something that you've experienced? Or, or, or can you tell us rather about your experience, maybe if you've experienced discrimination because of, of you being Asian and, and writing? Well, it's, it's... Hello? Hello, yes. Okay, there we go. It's the time for Asian hate, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, I did have an experience a few years ago when I went to the U.S. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, perfect. Because my screen blacked out. Oh, it's fine. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So I had an experience a few years ago where I went to the U.S. for an award ceremony because I'd won a contest. And um, there were very well-meaning white people who were um, helping me prepare. But... Um, while we, while I was preparing for a, a photo shoot or a video shoot, they asked me right out of the blue, so you live in the Philippines, so you guys have thatched roofs over there, right? Whoa. And uh, I, <laughs> you know, sometimes when it just comes out of the blue, it's like a slap in the face. True. And you don't, you don't really know. Oh, it seems that we might have lost Vita for a few moments here on our uh on our call, but in case you're just listening, we do have Vita Cruz, a uh, fantasy and science fiction author and Hugo Award nominee, and she was just telling us a little bit about her her body of work and FiaCon. So while we wait for her, uh, to all the monsters out there, if you're listening, we are live on Facebook, facebook.com slash rx931. And if you want to talk to us or add any comments or questions for Vita, Please feel free to join us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash rx931. We're also live on YouTube. We're also live on Twitch. But while we wait for her, uh, why don't we enjoy some music <laughs> in the meantime? Uh, let's play you a quick song. This one, courtesy of Elio and Charlie XCX. We'll be back in just a few moments. 
93.1% Heard on Thursdays Hot conversations on hot topics Your host, JC Thevis Welcome back to the show Welcome back to Heard on Thursdays If you missed it, we have been having some technical difficulties But we have back on the line with us Vida Cruz uh, Vida, of course, a sci-fi and uh, fantasy writer Hi Vida, welcome back Thank you for uh, your patience uh, And uh, can you hear us? Hello? Vida, can you hear us, Vida? Hello? Hello? Yes. Hi. Hello? Yes, yes. Thank you for, the, <laughs> thank you for your patience. Uh, and I'm sure you can attest to this. The, the digital world has been very difficult to work with sometimes during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but totally. let's, <laughs> so for those of you who are just tuning in or, or retuning in, once again, we do have Vida Cruz here. Uh, she was a science fiction and fantasy writer. And earlier we were talking about uh, her work with FireCon. So just to recap, FireCon uh, was, a, was a con that was put up by them last year. And uh, because of their work, uh, they were actually nominated for a Best Related Work category at the 2021 Hugo Awards. And that they're still going to do something this year from September 16 to 19, FireCon 2021 and we were in the middle of the conversation about uh about uh bipoc writers black indigenous and people of color so just for people for our listeners out there who might not know bipoc stands for uh, black indigenous and people of color it's actually the first time that i've heard that that phrase or that that term before believe it or not i've never heard that before uh so uh you want to share a little bit more about that vita about uh why bipoc uh well well uh, representing bipoc writers and and in general it's it's so important to you and your team yeah sure um it's actually related to the question you posed to me before we got cut off earlier Mm -hmm. um (laughs) the do do i pose am i experiencing any um discrimination or barriers to entry in the industry Mm -hmm. and i am actually um i when you submit to a genre magazine you have tiers of rejection letters. And I know this because I used to um, flush read for a magazine before, Uncanny Magazine. And you would get form letters if the story wasn't good. But the first reader will send your story up to an editor mm. if they like what, what's there. And they'll, and they'll be like, I really like what you wrote. Um, I'm sending it up to the editor. Good luck. And the editor's final say if they're going to publish it or not. Mm -hmm. And if they don't like it, they'll be like, "Um, so this worked for me, that worked for me, uh, that did not work for me. Um, Overall, I can't buy the story, but you should send us something else. And the editors do mean it when they say you should send something else Mm -hmm. in the future. However, I was getting these rejections one after the other in the last couple of years. And I was starting to wonder if the problem was me, my craft. And I talked to a lot of my colleagues who are also BIPOC. And they also told me that they'd experienced it early in their career or they were going through the same thing as me. And it occurred to me that the problem is systemic. If you're BIPOC, you don't necessarily tell the same stories as people who are white, who are male, straight, able-bodied, middle class. You don't. You just don't tell them the same the same way because you experience the world differently. Mm-hmm. And 
the problem with publishing is that if they encounter a story that reads differently from what you were taught in school, they immediately tend to think this is not up to par. And part of what part of the work I'm trying to do in the community is apart from um, like create more opportunities for BIPOC writers to network and to and to improve their craft is I'm trying to uh, let people know in my own small way that mm. I think we need to decolonize the way we think about craft and the way we think about stories because that it's not our differences are not even about our physical characteristics. Down to the way we tell stories, we're different, and we need to respect that difference. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important to uplift the voices of BIPOC authors, because if there's more of us, perhaps uh, industry gatekeepers will see that, oh, this isn't a flaw, it's what you call that it's traits it's traits it's who, it's who, it's who we are yeah it's who we are and perhaps we should learn to read them and that's what I would like to say to publishing industry gatekeepers you should learn to read us mm-hmm. before you judge if we're good or not got it I think that's a that's a that's kind of a great advocacy that you have uh and it's something that you that is very heavily, uh, you know, in in Fiacon, uh, last year. You you wanted more representation. You wanted you know people, uh, authors, BIPOC uh, authors, uh, to join your panels. And so for this year, can you tell us exactly what, uh, when when someone attends Fiacon, what exactly do uh, what are what are some uh, sample examples of panels that you have? Because I've been to Comic Con, and you know, Comic Con, I think people know, you'll have cast members come in talk about the movie. Is it something like that where the author will come in and talk about their work, or, or is there are there different kinds of uh, events that you uh, you hold during these? Mm, different kind of events. Um, it depends on the size of the con, but Fiacon, um, with the larger con anyway, you have panels about comics, visual arts gaming and there are plenty of panels on for example how to write a narrative for games and sometimes the the panels or workshops are all about how do you make this game how do you play this game in Fiathon also we're not just about the work we're also about fun um, there is this game show type game that Brent hosts called MDAF and I believe it. Um, you he gives a line, and then you have to write a story as in that certain amount of time, and then you get eliminated depending on how good it is. I'm not really familiar with the mechanics because they did that for the main pawn. And Brent told Iori and I that if we're up to it, maybe he can replicate M dash for Bonfire, which is cool because mm-hmm. I because I think. Um, we, well, while Iori and I introduced some fun, some an equal amount of fun and serious topics, perhaps we should tilt more toward um, fun programming too. Yeah, would you say this is something that, let's say, you are not, uh, let's say, uh, as a casual 
viewer or, or reader, someone who doesn't maybe read a lot of science fiction, fantasy, or, or, or play video games, is there something for everyone at Fiacon? Or is it really a, a more of a selective niche market that you're really targeting? I think we're, we're a bit more niche in that sense. Okay. If, if you see, the bigger the con, the more there's something for everyone. And while we're sizable, we're not that big. Although, if I gotta say, if you wanna attend Viacon, the audience is great. Mm-hmm. They're they're always because um all the cons nowadays, what they do is so you have a bunch of Zoom calls, and then they're going to have a Discord chat room where people can discuss the panels as they happen, mm-hmm. and then the panels can come in after the the panelists can come in after the panels and answer questions. Nice. And on the Discord, everybody is so. Oh, woo, that was so amazing and yeah. stuff like that. And actually, what I forgot to mention earlier was that the response to Firecon was so good that a lot of the attendees actually opened up their own Discord server and they called it the Firecon support group. Nice. <laughs> They're still ongoing until now. That's fantastic. I think that that's a that's a really cool way to connect with an audience, especially now during this pandemic where most people have gravitated to to Discord, uh, Discord groups and whatnot. So uh, once again, Vita, uh, please invite our monsters out there to to join, uh, especially uh, the monsters that maybe are, are fans of, of, of literature and sci-fi and fantasy and and what can they expect for Fi- uh, for Firecon twenty twenty one this September. All right, so um, take a ten now on sale. I, although I say that actually, Bonfire is for free. That's something Iori and I were pushing because we wanted via, or, or at least our segment to be accessible to writers in the global south. Mm. Everyone in the Philippines. And you know, um, the Fiacon main con ticket is $40 and that's oh, kind of a lot of money over here. So you register on the site and then you choose to just um, attend Bonfire and that's for free. And you will have access to the panels after the con year-round. Also, you might just meet um, maybe your newest favorite writer to attend. That would be great. And I think uh, for people maybe who are even remotely interested in sci-fi and fantasy and and maybe want to know more about BIPOC writers uh, in general. I think this is a great opportunity. So to all our monsters, make sure to check out FIACON 2021. Uh, Vita, anyone you want to say hello to? Any message to uh, aspiring writers who maybe will read one of your works and uh, and say, man, I want to be just like Vita one day. <laughs> okay, so that one first. What I want to say is if you're just starting out, if you're at the beginning of your career, got to read and write all that you can because when you start writing professionally and selling stories to magazines um, it's different you don't get to experiment as much as you used to so may have fun and make all the mistakes you can right now um, also if during this pandemic you've been unable to write or read that's okay because the pandemic is an extra mental load on everyone and you're not alone don't worry because the reading and the writing will come back eventually. It always does. Mm-hmm. Um, as for whom I want to say hello to, first and foremost is my fiance Seb, who is probably recording this segment. Hi! And 
to my mom, dad, and Ronnie, my sister, um, and the different clans that I am part of, the Fecundos, the Cruises, the Santillans, the Llamases, and my soon-to-be family, the Rodriguez's and the Borjas. And different group chats of different friends. We have CW Block E 2013, the Outrageous Party Regulars, um, Riders in Lockdown, and last but not least, the Baishon Boodle Poodle Gang. And I know some of you stayed up to watch me at this. Shout out to my 10 adorable dogs. Um, Katie, Kobe, Chloe, Tintin, Baba, Frankie, Freckles, Iggy, Poppy, and Bear. Wow. <laughs> 10 dogs. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vita, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for, first of all, for sharing your story and for letting us know about uh, all the great things that you've been doing uh, in the world of literature. And also, thank you for dealing with our uh, technical issues. We apologize <laughs> for that. Uh, we hope to have you on the show, uh, especially once the pandemic is over. Uh, we hope to have you in person to discuss your future work and maybe FireCon 2022. You know, we, we know it's going to, I already know it's going to be successful this year. So we hope to have you again uh, another time. Enjoy the rest of your evening. To all our monsters, check us out again next week for more hot conversations here on Heard on Thursdays. My name is JC Tevez. Have a wonderful evening and always keep it locked in right here on The Monster. Heard on Thursdays. Heard on Thursdays. The show that made Philippine FM radio talk. Winner of multiple KBP Golden Dove Awards. Only on Manila's hottest, Monster RX 93.1.